notice he wants us to keep the unity. What is he, uh, what is presupposed here? Unity is already there. It's not something that we need to build into a church as a pastor or even as the body. Thank you for listening to this episode of General Order 4. Today we're going to be talking about church unity and how discipleship can help accomplish it. Hello and welcome to this episode of General Order 4. On today's episode we are going to be talking about church unity. And uh, there's been a lot of things written about this topic. There's been a lot of sermons preached about this topic. And yet somehow we still seem to be missing unity in a lot of churches. And so it was something that we wanted to address. And we believe that uh, the things that we've been talking about over the last two weeks, really over the last the entire series that we've been going through, but especially these last two weeks where we've talked about uh, the goals that we have in discipleship, seeing people grow, establish their relationship with the Lord, with each other, with the church, and then ultimately be become teachers of the word of God themselves, um, we believe that, that that core principle contributes greatly to the unity that a church is supposed to have. And so we wanted to talk to that um, this uh, in, the, in this episode. We wanted to kind of go through some of those things. And uh, I am joined, as always, by Pastor Brian Stewart. Good day. And we're both really excited to be getting into this topic today. So uh, we're going to dive right in. We're going to take you back to Ephesians chapter 4. We've been in Ephesians 4 a lot over the time that we've been studying. Uh, we talked about the gifts that God gives to men in uh, in the prophets and the apostles and evangelists and pastors and teachers and all of that. We went through that and the purpose of it for the perfecting of the saints. Um, we've gone through the end of this chapter, but we really hadn't hit hard on the beginning of this chapter when Paul is writing um, about having unity in the church. And so I just want to read a couple of verses real quick, and we'll bounce around a little bit. We don't expect this to be a very long episode, um, but we're going to try to kind of hit this beginning of Ephesians pretty hard. So the first couple of verses says, uh, Ephesians chapter 4, beginning verse 1, it says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. Remember, Paul is writing to Timothy, who is at this time pastoring. Um, so the vocation with these, with, wherewith he is called is that of pastoring a church. It says, with lowly, uh, with all lowliness and meekness and longsuffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit uh, in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. And we're going to stop reading for there, right there for now. Uh, but we, we really wanted to bring out that idea that's found in verse 3 where he says, Endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Now, Paul is writing to Timothy, and he's giving him some instruction, and he starts out by saying, that I'm beseeching you that you work, that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. And then he says, part of your job is to endeavor to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Um, and so that, that unity of the spirit in the bond of peace is kind of what we want to talk about today. That word endeavoring, if you take a look at that word and, and try and, um, uh get the definition of it, what you're going to find is that there's really four different uh, aspects that is being ad addressed here, and especially in the uh, Greek language, uh, and we certainly are not Greek scholars, but we know how to use the Greek dictionary. 
Uh, and in the Greek dictionary, that word endeavoring means to use speed, to be prompt, to have diligence, and to study. And so what is he, what is he trying to communicate to us here? He wants us to endeavor quickly, promptly, diligently, and even in our study, and we'll kind of see how in verse 13, when we look at that, how that study aspect comes into it. But notice he wants us to keep the unity. What is he, uh, what is presupposed here? Unity is already there. Right. It's not something that we need to build into a church as a pastor or even as the body that we need to build into the church. It's not something that we find uh, focused uh, around a certain activity. Uh, we're not going to find unity in a certain uh, aspect of the church in the sense of uh, that we do this activity together or that activity together. It is found in the spirit which is bound in peace, in this bond of peace. And so the unity exists where the spirit of God exists. Do we see that? I hope you can see that. And he tells us that there's not a multitude of spirits here. In verse 4, he says there's one spirit. Well, if there's one spirit and we're to keep the unity that he has developed into his body, into Christ's body, then that bond of peace is what's going to hold us together. Mm-hmm. And and I, I my mind goes to thinking about the Prince of Peace here. What is that bond of peace? Well, it's the Prince of Peace. Right. It's Christ that unifies us. And it's our love for him and his love and, and the Father's love for us. And then that is extended to the Comforter, which is the Spirit here. So this, he says, we're to endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit. And, and that was revolutionary to me. And when we are properly fulfilling the Great Commission, and we have a proper balance between our evangelistic efforts, our baptism efforts, our, our discipleship efforts, and our conforming to the image of Christ and are glorifying God with our lives, when those things are all in balance and we are discipling people uh, effectively, then we're going to see this unity that is already there and it's going to be kept because why? We are focusing our attention on the Word of God and the uh, walking in the Spirit of God so that He can direct His people to His side to follow Christ and to be uh, where he wants them to be doing what he wants them to do. And so the beautiful thing about unity in the church is pastors, here's a, here's a big relief. It's not your job or your responsibility to produce unity in the church. Right. Deacons, it's not your job to produce unity in the church. And church member, it's not your job to, to produce unity in the church. But it is our job to walk in the Spirit, and it is our job to obey the leadership of the Spirit. And when we do our job and let Him do His job, unity can exist like very few churches in my lifetime that I've noticed uh, have uh, this kind of unity. And I'm looking forward to seeing more and more churches with this kind of unity, the kind that God has developed within His body. Yeah, and it's funny that you you're telling people that there are certain jobs. I mean, we just we just did several episodes on whose job is what, and um, mm-hmm. it, and it's key, and it all wraps in together. It's all one idea um, because, like like you said, there's we're all following the the one spirit, and if we're not meeting together, 
because it, it, so we have this problem in American politics and American churches. Really, I guess it's a global problem. I say American because that's where I am and that's what I'm used to. But we have this idea, and in in politics, they say all the time that we need now to rally around this particular political person. Uh, we can unite as a country around this person. Well, the problem is we can't. Because we don't have anything in common with the person that they want us to rally around. And so, if you don't have anything in common, what's the purpose of unity? You can't, you can't preach and talk about unity if you're not going to tell people what it is that they're supposed to unify around. Every revolution in human history has taken place because the people all rallied around one idea or person or, or something that they all attach themselves to and rallied around. And as a Christian, that thing that we rally ourselves around, that person is the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's the, by following the Holy Spirit, all of us together, we rally. Yes. Why do we meet on Sunday? Why do we even have church? We have church because as a, as a group, a body of believers... We all have one central common thing that keeps us all united together. That one thing is the Lord Jesus Christ and his spirit that guides all of us. And so when we are talking about in verse three, he says, endeavoring to keep the unity, all that means, like you said, we're not creating unity. The unity is already there because we're all united in that one body and that one spirit. And so keeping the unity simply means that I'm going to follow the Spirit, and you're going to follow the Spirit, and if we're both following the Spirit, he's not going to tell us to do two different things. In verse 7 it says, But not every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. So we talked about one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, one Father of all, who is above all and through all, and in, and this phrase is important, it says, in you all. And then he says, but unto every one of us. He's talking to a group of believers. He's he's writing also to Timothy and he's writing to this church and he's saying, "Hey church, uh, all of you have been given this same grace. All of you've been given the same measure of this gift of Christ. All of you've been given the same God, the same Father, the same baptism, the same faith, the same Lord, the same spirit. That is what unifies us." Nothing that we can do or work up or try and generate or, or, or hype is going to do that. It all comes from him. It all starts with him. And to every single one of us in that body, we all have the same thing. That is what we can unify around. And to complete that thought or continue that thought, if we go back to down to verse 11, 12, uh, we can kind of remind you what we covered in uh, one of our previous podcasts about the gifts that he gave to the church. But remember, why did he give these gifts? It was for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And notice in verse 13, there's where the word unity comes back in. But notice he says, till we all come in the unity. And so the desire of God is that the body be unified it doesn't if you take a look at a body and it's got a bunch of members out of joint that body is not going to be very functional it's not going to be able to accomplish much uh it would look pretty uh hideous to have a body where your arms and your elbows and your knees and your hips are all out of joint and your fingers out of joint that's going to be a painful experience right and so the 
this idea that the body of Christ can be fractured or out of joint uh, is not what God ever intended. And that's why he says, here's your vocation. I want you to be a part of this body. I want you to be a contributing part. And I want you to experience the unity that I've placed in the body. And he said, and, and all of us have that responsibility and all of us have that privilege to experience that unity. It's not any one individual's job, but all of us are responsible to stay connected to the head. And when we stay connected to the head, the body has life, it has function, and it can be used to accomplish great and, and marvelous feats of, of uh, uh, attempts to do things that many bodies uh, would never even think to do. But when there is that coordination and that uh, unity, a body can accomplish great and mighty things. But yeah. notice he says it's the unity of the faith. And going back to what you were talking about, Simeon, is this unity is not unity in this nebulous idea of unity. It's unity around something. And he gives us the two somethings. It's our unity and faith. So what are we trusting? Or better yet, who are we trusting? And it ought to be Christ. And we ought to live by faith. He says the just shall live by faith. And so when we are placing our faith in him for salvation, and then we are living out a life of faith, that is what is going to unify us. And when we are mutually fellowshipping around our faith and trust in God, that's going to bring us together. But also the other thing that brings us together, and this is kind of where it, the uh, aspect of uh, the leadership of the church is important is that we have the knowledge of the Son of God. Mm -hmm. And this is where, as a pastor or as a, a Sunday school superintendent or a Sunday school teacher, this is kind of where you and I have responsibility because why? We have the responsibility to make sure that the knowledge of the Son of God is declared. That's what he's talking about in verse 12. Why? So the saints can be perfected, so the work of the ministry can be done. And the, and the saints can be edified uh, in the body of Christ. And so it, it, that unity is around our faith, and that unity is around the knowledge of the Son of God. And so here's a, a statement that uh, uh, one of the men that discipled me told me, and he I can't remember the exact uh, phrasing that he used, but he taught this basic principle that if we teach the same things, we're going to come to the same conclusion. And, and when we come to the same conclusion, what do we have? We have unity. And so mm -hmm. when we're teaching not our words, not man's ideas or man's thoughts, but when we are teaching the same thing from the Word of God, then those that are with us will be unified because why? They have the same teaching we have, and we have the same teaching they have, and that's going to endeavor to what? Keep the unity. And this whole passage is about what? teaching the Word of God, the knowledge of God, the understanding of the Son of God to each and every individual. And this isn't the first time, but in verse 13, he goes on to say, what's the goal? It's to a perfect man. That word perfect means yeah. complete for labor or of full age. So we're not talking about somebody who's immature or novice, but this person is complete in the fact that they can serve and do a job and they can do it well and they are mature in that job. And then he really gives us the perfect example of what a perfect man looks like. In the next phrase, he says, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. 
So again, we come back to this simple but very potent truth that this unity is around Christ. It's around his spirit who he promised to send to us as believers in this age to unify us. And so when he says endeavoring to keep the unity until we all come in the unity of our faith and the unity of our knowledge of the Son of God, what does that look like? It looks like us conforming to the image of Jesus Christ and being completely prepared to do the work that God has called us to do and completely being a full age of full maturity uh, so that we can do the things that he asks of us to do. And so that's why this whole chapter is really just kind of pointing us constantly back to this one body, this one uh, spirit, this one Lord. We have one faith. It's not a bunch of different faiths. It's not a bunch of different types of this or that. There is unity in what God has said. And when we stick and stay to what he says in his word, then we have the experience of this unity. And I can tell you from experience that as you have uh, brothers and sisters in Christ who have been taught the truth, they've accepted the truth and they are obeying the truth, there is a sweetness of unity in those fellowship and those times as we trust the Lord together to do the work of the ministry. And there is very few uh, things on earth that have been more sweet than the times that I get to spend with like-minded, Christ-minded, I should say, Christ-centered, people that know the Son of God and know the truths about God's Word, and they want to see God's great commission to be accomplished. And we're working together to do that. And that is just such a unifying thing that really when we do discipleship as Christ modeled for us to do it, it is something that is all we need to do is keep it in the church. We don't need to try and establish it. Well, the truth is we can't accomplish what God's given us to do on this earth as a church if our church is not united in doing it. I mean, that was the thing about the church at Antioch. The whole church agreed, let's send these guys out. Let's make sure that they've got everything that they need. Let's pray together. Let's lay hands on them. Let's send them out. That that was accomplished, and, and the mission work was done because that church had a certain unity. They all had one spirit. Paul and Barnabas knew they were called. The whole church knew they were called because they all had the same spirit. I mean, yeah. my, my mind goes back to the Old Testament in Amos. Um, in Amos chapter 3, verse 3, it says, Can two walk together except they be agreed? And the Lord is is speaking to his people and saying, I can't walk with you right now. Mm-hmm. Because you have to agree to agree with me. Yeah. And as a church, what, that's what we're doing when we're saying we're following the leadership of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit reminds us of the things that Jesus Christ had said, right? So he, he reminds us of the word of God. And so we, when as a church, when we agree that we're all going to follow the Holy Spirit, what we're saying is we're all agreeing to agree with God. And we're going to do what God wants us to do as a church together. And at that point now, yeah, the two can walk together. We can't have unity unless we've agreed on the same thing. And the thing that we're all agreeing on is to agree to agree with God. And that's why when he speaks to them in that Old Testament book of Amos, he's, he's telling them, you can't walk with me. And I can't walk with you. You know, I, if I remember properly, he's, he starts talking about how the lion's roaring and nobody's afraid, you know, and, and, and silliness like that. But it's because no one's paying attention. 
no one's walking with God. No one even hears the lion roaring. Hmm. And there's there's a problem, but nobody addresses it because nobody's walking with God. Nobody's agreed to agree with God. And the biggest problems that we have in our churches, I think so often are caused because nobody's paying attention to what God wants. We're all paying attention to what we want and bickering. Yeah, that's unfortunate, isn't it? We th- go back to the sweet psalmist David in, in Psalms 133, verse 1. Uh, obviously, this is written about the children of Israel, so we're dealing with a physical kingdom that's uh, being established here. And uh, obviously, this brethren is the brethren of the children of uh, Israel, and so we're talking about actual you know family here. But notice the what God says through the psalmist David. He says, "Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren." to dwell together in unity. And a lot of times that gets applied to the New Testament church, and there's nothing wrong with applying it there, but we need to understand this is written talking about the children of Israel uh, as God's people, but as a family. And he says, hey, we're brethren, and we need to dwell together in unity. Well, they had to dwell together in unity by what? Their obedience to God's commands and his law and they're fellowshipping with God through the tabernacle or the temple, depending on the time frame of their history. But Mm -hmm. I find it interesting that there is a consistency in God's Word, and I don't find that interesting, but I find this interesting to identify that consistency in verse 2. He identifies how pleasant it is. He says, It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down the beard, even Aaron's beard, and went down to the skirts of his garments. And he identifies this, and he says this this good and pleasant thing for brethren to dwell together in unity is like the anointing of the Holy Spirit upon Aaron, the high priest, and how that it was covering him, and it was symbolic of what the Holy Spirit of God. So again, unity, even in the Old Testament, is focused around what? This picture of the Holy Spirit of God. And then this role of the priest, which I don't think is a coincidence that as a New Testament saint, we are all what priests and we've been Mm -hmm. given that office of priesthood because we've been anointed with the Holy Spirit as well. And so we have that holy priesthood, that royal priesthood that he has given us and we need to live it out. And how is it? And even in the Old Testament, he wanted uh, to dwell together in unity. And he says, man, it is good and it is pleasant. Really, it boils down to you and I in this New Testament age, the simplest way to identify, am I providing for the unity of my church, or am I one of the members that are disjointed or trying to be disjointed? And you can answer that question (coughs) by identifying, are you walking in the Spirit? If you're going to walk in the Spirit and you're going to follow the Holy Spirit's leadership, then he says, walking in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And mm-hmm. so if you're fulfilling the lust of the flesh, then you are providing for a disjointed part of the body, whatever part you are, and it's going to provide for disjointedness, not unity in the body. But if you as an individual believer, no matter what your position in the church is, or no matter what your role in the church is, you are a part of the body if you have been uh, saved and you've been baptized and joined to that church, 
then you are a part of that body and you and I all have a responsibility of being endeavoring to keep the unity. And the way we do that is by walking in God's spirit, listening to his word and doing what he tells us that he wants us to do, following his instructions and his commands day by day. And then we will see the kind of unity that God has designed and desires for every church to experience. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Yeah, that's it's so good. And we talk a lot about unity. Like I said, there's books on top of books on top of books about this particular topic. And the reason why there are so many books about this topic is because it's not very common for churches to be super united. Typically, at the beginning of a church, when a first a church is first established, there's a lot of unity there because everybody is taught the same things. Everybody understands the same things because they're all baby Christians, basically. Um, but it's some, somewhere along the line when that unity starts to break up. And that's why um, Paul wrote and said, hey, you guys, you need to endeavor to keep the unity. Um, and how you're going to do that is by making sure you're all focused on the Spirit of God. And um, I think that's really good. And I think we've covered just Amen. about everything that we wanted to say about that particular topic. And uh, if you're a little bit confused as to where we're at, back up and, w- and listen to the last two episodes, and I think that'll help you out. Um, and as always, I would like to thank you again for listening to this episode of General Order 4. We love to hear from you. Uh, so if you would like to reach out to us, you can do so. I'll give you the information in the in the sting here. Uh, but if you like, share, comment, all of that, that helps get uh, the podcast out to other people who would otherwise maybe not listen to it and possibly even uh, to somebody who might be lost and they might get real interested in what it is that we're talking about. So um, if you want to like, share, um, subscribe and comment and all of that good stuff, that'll help us out. And uh, please reach out to us. We'd be happy to talk to you. Thanks so much again for listening. And we're looking forward to uh, meeting with you again next week. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this episode of General Order 4. On next week's episode, we're going to continue our discussion about discipleship. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach out to us by email at generalorder4 at gmail.com. That's F-O-U-R. Or on Twitter, at General Order, the number 4. Please like, share, and subscribe.